Welcome to this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. In this week's episode, the guys break down common real estate terminology and acronyms, all while enjoying Angels Envy Birth. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. My name is Charlie Sardelli, and as always, I'm here with Jameson Amaros, ladies and gentlemen. Oscar Ibarra. And guys, we are just three Colorado-based realtors with Fathom Realty out here, just bringing you guys information on the market, about the market, and just about real estate in general. You can catch our episodes weekly on YouTube anytime between Monday and Wednesday we drop our video, or Fridays, listen to our audio on iTunes, uh, Spotify, pretty much anywhere that you can find podcasts. Wherever you find your favorite. Wherever you find. Favorite podcast. Your favorite podcast. And today's episode, guys... This is actually straight from an audience member. I had a buddy come out um, that watches the podcast, and he said, hey, man, love what you guys are doing. You guys give so much information, but I got to be honest with you, there's some terminology that you use that we I don't really understand, so it makes it harder to follow. Uh, so on this episode, we're going to just break down some common common terminology, some acronyms that you hear in real estate when you're dealing with real estate, talking to an agent. Yep. Um, just to help you guys understand a little bit more. And I think we have, what, 10 terms? Yeah. And I mean, we, I think us three, we do a pretty good job with our clients breaking it down, right? But mm-hmm. we also know that you guys may be using another agent. And it's a, it's a, common, <laughs> a common thing. Don't get me a, started on other agents right now. A common yeah. thing that, uh, Oscar had a rough week. A common thing that, you know, is, is you got people that are like, I've been in the industry for 20 years. They just adopt the terminology and assume that you guys know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is for anybody out there that's, you know, had that conversation with an agent and walked away and been like, what in the fuck did I just listen to? Yep. We're going to make it easier for you today. Yeah. Hopefully. Absolutely. Well, you know, one that we didn't write down is single family. Yeah. 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 I've that single single family residence. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cause not a lot of people we should talk talk about. Yeah. We can add that. So as you guys are listening, remember like, follow and subscribe Mm -hmm. living in Colorado. My high respective on YouTube. Uh, we'll drop our contact information here at the end of the episode, but leave us a comment, guys. Let us know what you guys think. Uh, and we'd love, you know, if you like what we're talking about, reviews. One, reviews, reviews, reviews. Just one more. We need one more, guys. Let us hit our first milestone. We need 100 more. Well, I mean, thousands <laughs> of more, of course, but yes. let us hit our first subscriber milestone. We are at 99 subscribers Will on YouTube. You yes. be subscriber number 100. W- will it be you? <laughs> will it be you? But, guys, not we'll only shout we you out. On the next podcast. Yeah, yeah, we will. If you're we'll the go have some bourbon with you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Come on out. As long as you're in Colorado. Right? <laughs> <laughs> if you're in Alaska. I don't know. We get I mean, people I, that I listen. Mean, I'm a... We get people that listen from like Germany, like looking at all the audio stuff. Can we, we get Germany, we Switzerland. We out, right? Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll fly out to... Hey, Oktoberfest is coming up. Hey. Boom. A reason to go. Nine. We might not make it back. We, but, well, you know. and speaking of, speaking of uh, alcohol, on this podcast, not only do we talk about real estate, but... We also enjoy bourbon. All three of us, uh, that's how this podcast was started. We just sitting down talking about real estate over a glass of bourbon, and we went, wait a second, we can just record this. And Somebody should film our ugly mugs. <laughs> send it out to the people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And if you guys are regular listeners, you know that we range from you know craft bourbons from small distilleries to bourbons that you're going to find on a shelf in pretty much any, any bar. And today is one that if you do drink bourbon or if, if you frequent bars that have a good bourbon selection, you'll know this bourbon that we have today, uh, it's called Angel's Envy. As you guys guys can see, bottle is bottle is pretty unique. has some has some wings on the back of it. Um, but I'm gonna pass it off to JMO. Give us a little bit about about the sure. background. You want to pour? Yeah, that? I'll pour it out. Um, so Angel's Envy, it's a Kentucky bourbon, and um, there I want to dive more into how they make the bourbon because we talk a lot about the history and whatnot. But they got some fun facts on their website, boys and girls. Um, 
So number one thing about Angel's Levy, they have a bunch of different lineages of bourbon that they distill. This one particularly is uh, aged in a ruby port wine cask. So we should get a little bit. It's going to be a little bit more fruitier of a finish, I yeah. assume. Um, and they do that because they like to bring out, which I think you'll like this because of that, the sweetness of the bourbons a little okay. bit. Um, but one of the things they do is obviously any distillery chars barrels. So if you don't know this, most barrels don't come charred, obviously, right? You can't just you could buy charred barrels, mm-hmm. but most bourbon makers will try them. And have you have themselves. you guys seen the videos of how they char the barrels? Oh, yeah. yeah, the big it's ass flamethrower conveyor belt and it's just <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's a flamethrower, and they've got three different levels at which they char depending on the flavors that they're trying to extract from the wood. They either char it for 15 seconds, 30 seconds, or 35 seconds. You said 15, That's 30, or 35? Yep. So you're telling me an extra five seconds brings out more it toasty. Yeah, at 5,000 huh. degrees, yes, and here's why. So the reason they char the barrel, a lot of people assume that it's because they want like a smoky flavor. Mm-hmm. When you think charred barrel, charred wood, smoked old-fashioned, yep. that's actually not it at all. Like they don't, there's no smoke flavor that comes out of these charred barrels. What it does is it primes the wood, and there's certain uh, – chemical makeups of different woods that will open up at different temperatures, hence the 15, the 30, and the 35 seconds. So for example, there's a chemical called lignin, which produces vanilla in, which is the vanilla flavor that we're used to, right? <laughs> but based on, I know it's crazy. I just like that it's in. Vanilla. Like, okay. Vanilla. Vanilla in. Vanilla I like caramel in. It's like Kentucky. But what that lignin does is as it heats up, it breaks down into these sugars and vanilla. And the longer that you try the barrel, the more the vanilla profile will come out of the wood itself. On top of that, the more that the wood breaks apart, the more flavor the bourbon is able to extract from the wood itself. And that's, Science, that's where you get the color too. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah. the color, it's, it's called white dog when it goes in, right? It's clear. Yep, Bourbon's exactly. clear. White dog, bourbon's and clear. And that, that's, that's where this comes yep. from. So I mean, the other piece of this is they have, you know, if you ever tasted a bourbon, we've said it on here before, um, if you get like that toffee or caramel mm-hmm. uh, flavor, that comes from something called oh, caramelin, hemicellulose, <laughs> <Toffee Hemi-in. laughs> hemicellulose, 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 um, which also breaks down into wood sugar the longer that it's charred. Okay. So they have figured out that at 35 seconds for Angel's Envy anyway is kind of the sweet spot. So every single barrel that they distill out of is charred for 35 seconds in American oak barrels. Okay. So, so the this more bottle, you know. The, the, this bottle specifically is a 35-second charge. Correct. All, anything Angel's Envy is 35 seconds. Okay. Interesting. And then Angel's Envy. When, uh, when you're waiting for the barrels to age, there's a certain percentage that evaporates, and that's the Angel's Cut. And the stuff that's sucked into the barrel, they call that the Devil's Cut. Okay, so nice. Who makes Devil's Cut? Isn't doesn't Jack Daniels or I Jim? Jim does. Jim, Jim Beam, Beam has a Devil's Cut. Interesting. Yes. Uh huh. Interesting. Yeah, that's pro- that's got to be earthy. That's uh, got to be yeah, meaty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like scotch almost. Mm-hmm. Grow some hair on. Well, your and chest. I'm I'm interested because is, isn't port one of the most like dry wines? Sweet. No, it's sweet. It's, it's a breakfast. It's, it's a dessert wine. So okay. You have or a breakfast uh, wine, depending on yeah. the week. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, for Oscar this week, it's a breakfast wine. It's a breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and dessert. That's so awesome. when you come to uh, ports are from Portugal and they're very sweet. You have uh, the, they're expensive, yeah. the older they are. So you have a, a Ruby, a 20 and a, oh, man, I could tell uh, just... the third one. And that one's the oh, one that's yeah. aged the longest. Okay. And I mean, a, and they're coming in little bottles. Okay. And, that makes sense though. And, because and, the bottles are little pores. 
Yeah, in little pours, you get about that much. Well, you don't get a full uh, wine glass, you get a little. Madeira finish. And, and they're, they range all the way up to a couple hundred dollars. Yeah, like so the cheapest port ruby or a cheapest 20 is probably going to run you about 40 bucks. Yeah. Damn. And then Madeira okay. is the more expensive one. They also have, in the same vein, Sherry is very similar. Yeah. Um, but yeah, okay. those are the three main ones. And, and that's why if you go to like a restaurant and get port, yeah. the glasses are like, yee, glasses. Okay. And, you know, there's a little sipper. They're well, super and, and sweet. The reason that I, and that makes a lot more sense now because when I was, when I was bartending, I used to make a lot of New York sours. And it's basically just a whiskey sour with a float of port on the top of it. Oh, okay. So yeah. that, makes, that makes sense because whiskey sours, obviously, are sweeter. And the port is going to complement it. And the older, the thicker and sweeter. Okay. Like, they've rubies, got a, are, yeah. rubies they've are very light. That it was finished in a Japanese Mizunara oak cask. Oh, dang. Yeah. Angel Envy's does? Uh-huh. Hmm. See, it's just, it's a very, very expensive just, Japanese port wine. I was going to say, there's such a variety. I know. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, it's I've awesome. never had the port. Angel's Envy, so that's... We'll that might be I, I really enjoy when it's it's not just a hint or subtle. It's like, yeah. okay, the port's there. It's good, though. Yeah. Okay. It's not... I'm not drinking port. I'm drinking bourbon, but it's there. Nice. So see how this goes. Nice. Okay. Kill my life well, there, boys we let these, we've let this open up just a little bit. I'm going to go ahead and get a swirl, and let's cheers it up. Get our sip in. Cheers. Cheers. And uh, I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you guys have been paying attention to it, but that Cheers carries a little bit heavier of a note for this episode. Wait, what? Uh, what? Uh, Today, this week, <laughs> is the year mark for when we posted and started working on the first podcast episode for Real Estate Served on the Rocks. You're right. Approximately Holy a year ago. Shit. I have that video still on my computer mm -hmm. with us three. The you one mean, that we're sitting down and sitting in, in, the, in office. the office and <laughs> awkward as shit. With the whiteboard behind and, uh, and we're like, man, what are we going to talk about? No one's going to want to listen to this. Uh, yeah. That was awesome. We're gonna, we were like, I we're, think we were holding the Yeah, we were holding yeah. the mic and <laughs> we were like this. And I was like, James, uh, JC was kicking the table. And, doom, yep. Doom. Yeah. And, and we were like, man, how are we going to feel? 40 minutes, 30 minutes. Yeah. And it's like, shit, man, we're an hour in. I, yeah, Charles we in the stop. back like, guys, we got to wrap this up. <laughs> well, hey, guys, th just thank you so wow. much for sticking with us. Zero Dude. to 100. A year later. A year, a year later. later. It's been that wild. long. Yep, a year wow. later. It's wild. It's actually, it for a year. So it's super funny. So I, went, I was in Vegas, right, mm -hmm. this last weekend. And uh, just it being a year, and we were talking about JC. So he's he was into watches. Yep. I think I've talked to you guys about, like, if you're watch people oh, yeah. and, oh, yeah. and there's, like, a whole cult or whatever. Anyway. He was very into this specific watch uh, right before he passed away last year. Uh, Omega and Swatch did a... Um, yes. Was it that leather-bound one? It's the one. It's the planet. Yeah, the, the planet. planet the solar system one. The solar system one. So mm -hmm. they have a, a specific watch for every planet that's got a specific, uh, I guess, chroma uh, face, yep. color, and a story, right? Wow. And they go from you know, the sun all the way up to Pluto, so on and mm -hmm. so forth. But you can't order them online. Like, you can only get them in yep. Vegas mm -hmm. or a Swatch store, and they've got, like, I think 10 or 15. Yep. Uh, I went to Vegas, and I got one. Nice. No shit. Yeah. Just don't that tell me you got Pluto because awesome. it's not a planet. No, I'm but the Pluto kidding. one is dope because it's, like it? it's like a steel gray and then a red outline yeah. with a tan face. This one's Jupiter, though. Nice. That's um, good for you, dude. That's so awesome. I was like, man, I got to go to the Swatch store and see. Yeah. And they, I wanted to get Mercury um, just because it was hot in Vegas. I was like, oh, it's yeah. not a planet. Yeah. It's like a yeah. gunmetal. They didn't have it. So I was asking the lady. I was like, hey, are you guys ever going to sell these online? She goes, we will never offer these online. They are only wow. in the store. That's awesome. So the only way you can get it is if you go there so that is awesome um, but yeah so cheers to jc for, for cheers. turning me on cheers. to that cheers yeah but, yeah. Uh, yeah so and this is i've never been like watch guy so 
Uh, it's cool. I was like, yeah, it's my first kind of foray into like nicer watches. Like, yeah. This is the most I've spent on a watch that's not an Apple watch. <laughs> I was going right? to say, I got a smile. Hey, hey, what's wrong with Apple watch? No, no, no. Like I'm saying, oh. like Apple watch, that was the most expensive one. Mm-hmm. I've never spent money on watches before. Yeah, I've never And like watch. something caught, it was there. It was Sunday morning. We were leaving at like noon. Hell yeah. And I, I took the mile walk to New York, New York and walked in. I was like, give me Jupiter. Nice. So, that's awesome. Yeah. That's Dude. awesome. And a lot of cool, weird anniversaries. Cheers to, yeah. Cheers to the two year. Weeks, cheers to the. Two weeks before. Two. A year and two weeks or three weeks before that, we were at Top Golf. Yes, mm-hmm. and we were just talking. Yep, I mean, I that was, was in uh, August. We, we were just talking, yep. and yeah, I don't even know. We, we didn't even play golf. We didn't even swing. We, we swung like two or three times. Yeah, and then, we, and then we, I can't remember what we were talking about. And then Jameson says we should have recorded this. Yep. And then like I'm telling you, the podcast. Should be there. And I was like, eh, this is not going to go. I anywhere. think I think it's because we were talking about that was right before rates jumped to like seven percent for the first yeah, time. Yeah, and we were and we <laughs> in were, September, we, and we're like, what do we think is going to happen? And all this different shit. And we were we, like, we were we were talking about going to another brokerage's. Uh, Oh yes, conference. Yeah, EXP. Yep. Yeah, yep. In Vegas, that's what it was. That's crazy, crazy. I, I was, I wasn't even on the, in the seat at that point. I, nope, I was no, not just behind, behind the, the camera. camera. Yeah, yep. we were like, um, wild. I was the hand. We need yep. to get, we need to get someone to help us with this because <laughs> we don't know what the hell we're doing. Yeah. We have an idea. We have no idea how to execute it, but right, we got it. And here we are, one year later, one subscriber away from a hundred after only starting in what January. Thank you guys yeah, so much. Say, the, the, you, no, the YouTube channel started in. March. Yeah, you're right. March. It was March. Wow. April, May, June, Doing July, good. August. So five months, 100 subscribers. Doing good. And we haven't so even started. Guys. We haven't even started chopping up the bourbon portion yet. No. We this is all straight real yeah, estate. Yeah, this so, is just this is us awesome. dropping knowledge bombs, baby. Yep. Love it. Well, we've let it open. I've been swirling it around. First off, Oscar, you were 100% on, on point with the with the color, man. Like yeah. this, the, the amber color on this is yes. just pleasing. Like it, it really is. This is, you know, I, you said, you've heard me say it before, but like, this is the the color that they had on the cane in Jurassic Park. I was like say, the, the we amber. just gonna call it the Jurassic Park color. Yep, right? yep. And I mean, even the little to no particulates in it. Like you can't really see anything going nope. on. On the nose, you hit the nail on the head. That's sweet. Yep. Like a little bit like of a pork. burn. A little bit of a burn. Like but this is. I it's can a ninety actually, proof, so it's forty five percent. Yeah, but this this one I can actually like put my nose yeah. in it. Yes. Sniff it. That's definitely getting that toffee. Vanilla. It is one of my. It, this has always been one of my favorite bourbons, mm-hmm. just in general. Like if I see it at a store, I'll pick it up. Yeah. Um, it's just it's sippable. Yeah. Awesome. All right, I'm gonna go ahead and give it a first sip. Smooth is an understatement. Mm-hmm. That's. Wow. It's like an angel's bottom. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Is that, is that, is that, yeah, that's a, that's a good smooth picture. As an angel. Well, you Hope know those you're... Renaissance pictures of the angels are always babies? Yes. What are doing? Smooth as an angel baby's bottom, right? Sorry. Yeah, okay. All angel right. baby's bottom. Angel, angel baby bottom. Man. The angel baby that bottom. Is, I don't know that Whatever. Angel baby bottom Cut boy. grass flavor guy. <laughs> yeah. I, I... He's got nothing. I got nothing. It's good. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> that's great. I'm going to leave that one alone. It's good. I, no, I like it. It's, yeah, it's, it's definitely on the nose there is a little bit of a burn. Yep. Um, but once you get that first sip in, it, you kind of get past that. Mm-hmm. And we always talk about that later feeling, that, that sit at the back of your you know, tongue feeling. Very sweet. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely toffee, vanilla. Um, I can see why this is a good sipper. Oh, yeah. Because especially for a conversation, you let it sit. I mean, it's, we're still in a warehouse, guys. So, you know, it's still warm in here. Yep. And we, you know, we, we stay, we're here for about 45 minutes to an hour before we start planning and everything. And, Still at room temperature, this is not 
unbearable Mm-mm. at all. No. And I mean, I think that speaks wonders for, for the bourbon in general. I'm looking for the port. It's subtle. It's very mm-hmm. subtle. It's yeah. very subtle. And um, it's more, I'm getting a lot of plum. Like yeah. A, a I've had, have you guys had? Yeah, the, um, you're right. Absolutely. The Basil Hayden's that's, that's mm-hmm. aged in port. Mm-hmm. Way too sweet. The purple, yeah. like it bottle. overtakes yeah. the rest of the whiskey. Mm-hmm. This I feel like Burgundy more complements it. Yes. Than anything else? Well, but it's not the it's not the it's not the flavor profile. You know. No. Yes, and the only one that has done it in a port barrel that tastes like port. Art of Spirit, their port oh, was yeah. it really it really it's a bourbon finished in in a port barrel and it really does tastes yeah. like port like wow. it's prominent but it's not it's balanced well yeah this one's subtle it's it's, good. i mean um the cool thing for me is like again angels envy is, is a more popular brand more i would say nationwide you're gonna find it on a bar but I, I went to that rocky mountain cigar festival and it was so cool to see all the craft distillers just mm-hmm. from colorado and each one of them had had a unique flavor had something different to bring um i got some contacts so hopefully we can get them on. I had one, one that was really excited. What was, um, what was the, the buy-in for that? What was the cost to be, to be a part there? of it? Yeah. Um, I think it was a hundred, 150 for, mm. to, as a, for a member ticket and then, uh, or 150 to 250 and then 500, you were, you were VIP. So you got into a special smoking section, you got to sit down there, but then you also got a custom backpack. So that bag that I have, that cigar bag, a backpack full of cigars. Jeez. <laughs> like That's a, worth like, it. Like a, a hiking backpack full of cigars. That's so, dope. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely, guys, check that out. Um, I, had a, I made a video for it for a client, um, a little recap video. She, she played pool, but it was, it was a cool event. I, you, guys would, you guys would like it a lot specifically just for- I love cigars. The, yeah, the, the, the bourbons and, and I, the I different- I mean, it was a lot of cigars. He's brought a bag that's like <laughs> halfway full- yeah. So in the next, yeah, it looks episode, like the uh, it looks like the export ban on Cuba was lifted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly, exactly. Charlie's gonna come to the next podcast. For the raspberry has I've been trying. He's been smoking. I've been trying. Welcome, man. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. Like Hello. Bruce Buffer. Well, welcome to today's podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's guys, time. like we said, um, while we're drinking Angels Envy today, we we just kind of want to break down some terminology for you. Um, we're gonna put them. We're gonna put everything in the description for you. Um, but follow along, and if you have any questions on it, as always, reach out. So, Jameson, why don't you throw out the first one yeah, for us? Yeah, I think what I want to do is just group these, right? So yeah. we'll do, like, the lending side okay. and then the actual, like, real estate home buying process side. Cool. And we'll start with lending. Um, and I think just a couple of the terms, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have uh, Oscar kind of jump on some of these, but we wanted to orig- originally talk about VOE, right? We hear about VOE, and what were the other two? It's uh, The V stands for verification, and across the board, you're going to have a VOE, verification of employment, a VOR, verification of rents, if yep. you're renting, and a VOD, which is verification of deposits. Right. Um, and obviously, they're pretty self-explanatory. The deposit one, uh, the lender is going to more than likely ask for two months of your bank statements yep. and or assets. So that, that comes into play with the VOD. Mm-hmm. The, the VOE is um, verification, verification of employment. So they know that you're employed, but they want to know what your status is going to be long-term. So within that form uh, comes with a signature page for the supervisor, uh, what the likelihood that you're going to be working there long-term, and then the date of, of uh, when you started and continuing on. So I think it's important, too, because... When you go for a pre-approval and you go under contract, obviously they, they do the VOE once you go under contract, but do they do it again? 
Absolutely. They started doing it um, right before closing just yep. to make sure you're going to be employed. Yep. So a lot of people mm-hmm. will say, hey, you know, I'm employed now, but I'm planning on switching jobs. Number one, we'll just go la, 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 la. We can't hear that. But here's the important piece. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's an that's industry standard. <laughs> yeah. The important piece is they will check. Mm. They will. Both prior to close. And it's usually, they, we'll get a They'll do close. a soft pull on credit too. Correct. So yes. Those few things. Yeah. So there's a, there's a reason we wanted to bring the, the verification of employment up because mm-hmm. you'll hear it and a lot of people will assume, okay, my, you know, they'll get maybe a call from their HR. Mm-hmm. Hey, you're, you were verified as an employer. That does not mean you're in the clear to do anything else, okay? Obviously, the general rule of thumb is you do nothing out of the ordinary between when you're in a contract and after you close. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have heard, and I don't know if this is true, Oscar, but have you heard of them doing verification of employment after the date of closing You know, I think I heard something like that, but at that that point, it's like, it's closed. True, true. But it's, I've heard, yeah, yeah, I've heard something like that. And um, obviously, uh, there's, other softwares now that mm-hmm. big corporations use, it's a 1-800 number or a website that they could do it too. But if you're a small mom pop shop or a mm-hmm. smaller business, it is a form that they send out to your management or supervisor yep. or HR, whoever yep. handles that. Yep. Owner, yep. if you're a small mom pop, the owner says, you know, yeah, we love him. He's here forever, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> if HR sucks, they're going to be like, I don't know. I hate that guy. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. He's on, yeah. he's on probationary <laughs> terms. <laughs> what? You know. Performance improvement plan. But and, yeah, so and, it is important. Again, very, very and, important. and VOR finally is a verification of rent. If you've been renting, um, they're going to want to know your status. Have you been late on rent? Mm-hmm. You know, have you been a nuisance? Uh, it, it, it doesn't get that, you know, nitty gritty. But, you know, what was, what's terms well, of. And you know what's interesting you, have, on that too? Or if you're a private party, mm-hmm. the yes. lease. So well, what's really interesting on, on that too with the verification of the rent stuff, um, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but there's a there's companies now that are basically what they do is they charge you $15 a month and that's on top of your rent through your rental company. But then because you pay that, they report it to the credit, to yes. your credit association as making on-time payments. Correct. So I wonder with that, if somebody who is renting does that, would that, would that give them you know better... I guess, you know, more, more legs to stand on because it's also helping their credit. Well, I think I mean, the, it'll, from a credit standpoint, yes. Yeah. And I just, from a verification of rent standpoint, mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily, it's not going to give you a better or worse rate on mm-hmm. your mortgage. It's just going to say, hey, there's a track record of, of them payment. paying. Yeah. Right. So it's more of a yes or no. And, and two things with that is one is, yeah, I mean, in the industry, disclosure, disclosure, disclosure mm-hmm. is always best, especially mm-hmm. with the underwriter, right? Um, so it, it'll, it'll help. I call him the undertaker, but yes. Uh, absolutely, <laughs> 100%. And then I think that's great because it doesn't benefit you when you pay on time rents. Yep. But once you don't pay on time, is you're going to collect you mm-hmm. and, and And they'll report it to the credit company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why not the opposite? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's a, that's yep. fair and it'll, it'll build credit. Yeah. Because if you don't have any credit to build credit, you got a secured credit card. Mm-hmm. You have to wait some months. If you're already doing that, 15 bucks a month. That's cheaper than opening a secure credit card because you're doing it with your own money. Yep. Yep. At this point, that's what, 100, 150 bucks, 100, 200 bucks minimum. Something like secured that. credit cards, three to five hundred dollars. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's your money you have to put in. Yep. Yeah. So that's a that's a great yeah. way. I like it. Awesome. I like yeah. it. I like it. Awesome. A lot. Um, Charlie, let's stay on the the loan side. Yeah. And we'll go. Uh, a lot of people will see this, and I think a lot of people think they know what it is, but mm-hmm. they don't really. Okay. Uh, LTV. Who? <laughs> loan to value. It's loan to value is basically what what they're going to give you on your loan versus 
the the value of the mm-hmm. home, right? So that's why when you guys hear appraisals, yep. that's what that LTV is tied to. Because when a lending company is giving you money to buy a home and they're they're allowing you a certain amount, what they're then going to do is use that LTV and do an appraisal on the home that you're looking to buy. So then they will send somebody out from their company that will appraise the home, basically Third create. Party. It's a, a third, third party, party yeah. yeah, that has nothing to do with the transaction. Unbiased. <laughs> Unbiased. Um, that has nothing to do with transaction that will then value your home. They, do, they go in, they look, they look at the structure, they look at cabinetry, they look at the surrounding areas, your foundation, all that. All of that gets played into it. And then when they give you the appraisal, virtually what that does is it tells you, hey, we're going to give you this much amount but the home is worth this. And a lot of the time, let's say they give you a loan of 350,000, but the appraiser, appraiser goes out and now you might, the home is actually worth 375. Mm-hmm. That's something that you have to be aware of because that company is not gonna give you the amount above that loan. That's something that you have to bridge the gap and that's called? Appraisal gap. Appraisal gap, yep. right? So that's why loan to value is so important. So Oscar, is there any, was there anything else that you wanted to throw in for your LTV? Yeah, a, a good way to, to look at it is it's the other side of what you know of what you're bringing in, right? Mm-hmm. If you're going to FHA, 3.5%. If you're going to conventional, it's 5%. VA, 100%. And on the flip side, the lender's looking at it from an LTV stance. So um, they're looking at the bank's going to lend you 90% if you're, if you're going you know, 10% down. 95 conventional because you're putting 5% down. Um, your your uh, ninety Seven. what is it seven point five for FHA ninety six point five whatever yeah, yeah. whatever uh, so that's the other side of that coin um, the fact of the matter is uh, LTV is is set in stone uh, regardless of what the appraiser comes back because if the bank is gonna is gonna put a lien on your house that's what a mortgage is mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. where 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 table stay it's a different story here it's a lien on your home and they're putting up. 95% to purchase the home, and then they're going to use the asset to back the loan. So the higher the, the LTV, the more risk the bank is. Mm-hmm. The lower the LTV, if, you're, if you have an LTV of 80%, that means you're putting 20% down, and the bank says, okay, they're not walking away from this. You know, that's 20, 000, uh, you know, 20%, mm-hmm. uh, round numbers, easy numbers, $100,000, that's 20 grand. Yeah. Yeah. 500,000, uh, yeah, that's what, 100 grand? Yep. Yeah. So that's that's how LTV plays. If the appraisal comes in high, the LTV is still stuck at what your original purchase price Correct. is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's so that's yeah. that's a, that's, a, that's a little bit more into more in depth, but yeah. the surface of LTV loan to value. Yeah. So yep. basically, what, what it is, the way I like to explain it to people is, people want to know, like you get, you know, we we're, we're going to talk about this in a second, but you get advertised rates mm-hmm. on mortgages, and those will change based on the loan to value, which is essentially like Oscar said, your down payment. The way I look at it and the way that I think the easiest way for you know anybody listening to this or watching to understand it is the more skin in the game you have as a consumer, the better your rates are going to get because the bank is not as exposed. Right? A loan is a risk assessment. Exactly. At the end of the day, it's a risk yeah. assessment of who you are. Yeah. Um, Jameson, you are the bank of Jameson. I say, Mr. Bank, I need to borrow $800,000. Yep. Where's my money? Yep. You'll be like... No. Yeah. Well, eight hundred thousand for what? Who are you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so can you can you actually pay here's me the, this he, Here's the house, and it's eight hundred grand. Where's my money? It doesn't work that way. Right. Mm-hmm. I got to bring him a story. My story is my name. Here's my credit. This is I've been on time. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty good at paying my bills. Check. 
here's my work history. I've worked at this job for this long. This is how much I make. Okay, check. Here are my assets. I own this. I have an IRA. I have bank uh, savings. I have, here are my assets. Okay, cool. Because if we foreclose, you know, you'll have, or mm. you have backing, right? Mm. Yep. So here's my story. And the bank says, okay, let's do a risk assessment of who this person is. Everything checks out. Then you're, it, it's, that's what plays into your rate. Yep. If you're, the, the more, the less of a risk you are, the better the rate you're going to have. Exactly. Because the bank's yep. not going to not have to cover their ass, essentially. Yeah. Which leads us directly into the next thing that I think is very misunderstood. Mm-hmm. PMI. Ooh. So PMI is essentially private mortgage insurance. And that is something that's tacked on as an extra cost to everybody's mortgage if you're under 20% down, mm-hmm. which also means if you're under or oh, guess over 80% loan to value. 79%. 79.5 or whatever. Yep. 79%. Yep. So private, and also known as MI. Mortgage yes, insurance. M- mortgage insurance, MI, private, private mortgage, mortgage insurance. insurance whatever. You'll hear them both, right? And essentially what it is, is it is a percentage of the loan, and it depends on the loan, whether it's a Federal Housing Administration loan or FHA or a conventional loan. Um, the amount that PMI or private mortgage insurance is, it's a percentage. And we've talked about this on a previous episode with Colin, yep. I believe, uh, but it can range anywhere from, you know, 0.5% a month to 1.25% yeah. depending FHA on... FHA standard 5%. What no matter what, yep. it's, five, it's 5%. With conventional, it varies. So FHA was actually... FHA does a premium. Yes. So they're going to collect a premium. Standard mortgage... 1.25%, I think. A, a, a conven- like conventional doesn't. Right. So FHA does collect a premium, and then you're at 0.5%. Yep. Conventional, it's, 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 a, it's and, a range. And something, it's, it that's, something that's important to note, and Jameson, you mentioned it when we first started talking about it, but something that's very important to note is you're going to get all of this information at one time. Yes. It's not like they're going to give you you know, your Correct. loan and then say, oh, yeah, you signed this, by the way, this is your, this is your PMI. Here's your glossary. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, they're going to give you all of that up front. So it's not like you're going to go, okay, I have to account my mortgage payment's mm-hmm. going to be this, and then, okay, yep. mortgage insurance is going to be this. So, you're going to get one solid payment. Yeah, and, and a good way to look at it is um, in another acronym maybe. PITI. We'll author it, P-I-T-I. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, P-I-T-I, and then there's M-I, right? So P-I-T-I is what you pay for your home. It's your principal. That means how much you're paying to the loan that you're actually getting. The interest, how much interest they're charging and how much is going to the interest. Taxes. How much taxes on your home you're, you're, you're paying? And your taxes are annually, but they break them down by month. So your payment on the PITI is monthly. And then your um, insurance, not to be mistaken with more, uh, mortgage insurance, your homeowner's insurance, what insures the actual physical structure of your home. Yep. yep. And then you have MI. Yep. On top and of that. if we keep it on PMI, private mortgage insurance, if I have an FHA loan, right, Federal Housing Administration backed loan, where I can come with 3.5% down at minimum, when can I get rid of that mortgage insurance? You could get rid of it when your value exceeds your loan amount 20%. But you got to refinance out of it. Not necessarily. With okay. FHA, yes. yes. I'm sorry. With FHA, with FHA, FHA yes. yes, absolutely. Yes. With conventional, correct. you can um, call, and it's typically a year to two years that right. you can call them. It's going to be under 80%, right? Say, hey, my, my house, I got it at mm-hmm. a good price, mm-hmm. and my value is exceeds the 20%. And then they send out an appraiser, but it's, it's, a, le- it's a lot looser yeah. because I did that. Yep. Within mm-hmm. the, my, when my second year came in, I called them up, send the appraiser out here, and he looked at my house and said, I got it. And so they dropped it. There's a reason I bring this up. 
we saw over the last two years okay. I, I hope the you were lowest yep. interest rates we have ever seen in the history mm-hmm. of housing, okay? Yep. And we've also seen that FHA tends to be cheaper. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of people that bought homes on an FHA loan for 275 25 3%, okay? But because of that, and they only brought 3.5% down, obviously smart move, mm-hmm. right? I would as leverage your debt as you can. We've talked about it before. But that means that they've got mortgage insurance. And on an FHA for loan, like we just discussed, ever. it is there <laughs> forever. Mm-hmm. Until you refinance out of it. Until you refinance and out of it. And now it makes no goddamn sense. Exactly, because <laughs> now here's where the math comes in. I, let's say my mortgage insurance, I think on my house uh, right now, I'll just use me as an example because you know we're real human beings. I have an FHA loan on my house, right? I bought my house for $540,000. We put 3.5% down, so my mortgage was called 510, something like that, right? My interest rate right now is a 3.125. And I didn't have fantastic credit when I bought this house, but I have mortgage insurance on it. My mortgage insurance per month on my home is about $237 a month on top of what my actual mortgage is, which I think is like 2,600. So I think my total is like 29, let's call Mm -hmm. it, right? For a $540,000 house. I, my loan to value is to a point where I could refinance out of an FHA loan and drop my mortgage insurance. But here's the kicker. Rates right now are over 7%. Mm-hmm. So if I refinance, <laughs> yes, I'm not paying mortgage insurance anymore. So <laughs> I save a whole $237 a month on my mortgage insurance, but mm-hmm. I'm paying an extra $600 a month on now a conventional loan at 80% loan to value. So it's important to know that on a conventional loan, and this is why the difference is, because you can drop it without refinancing, right? Let's say you don't really know where rates are. If you can get away with a conventional loan and a 4 to 5% down payment and, and afford the monthly mortgage insurance, when you refi out of that, once you hit 80% loan to value, you don't have to refi, or sorry, when, not when you refi. When you reach 80% loan to value on a conventional loan, you don't have to refi to drop the mortgage insurance mm-hmm. and you can save two, $300 a month. Yeah. If you're on an FHA, which a lot of people are over these last two years, do the math and be very careful because it could seem very tempting to drop that mortgage insurance, but you now have to refi and pay closing costs and everything else for, for a refi loan. And up your payment. Into a higher interest payment, but lower with no money. And there's insurance. factors with, yes. with MI, right? Yeah. Um, because I, I went conventional. I put five, a little bit over 5% down, and my mortgage insurance was 175 a month. But obviously, I, I actually my credit was actually really good. I, was, I worked on it for like eight years. Yeah. I mean- 10 years ago, meh, about 12 years ago, my, my credit was tank. It was in the garbage, 500s, and I worked my butt off. I mean, I'm proud to say my credit score is like 780. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's pretty damn good, but I put it's in white some, girl credit. Oh, yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> That's Starbucks and, credit. And uh, it, it took me some, some work and growing pains, but I got there. Um, so my, my mortgage insurance was only 175 bucks. Yep. But nice. that's important, right? Because if you're looking at buying a house now, let's say in the mm-hmm. next six to 12 months, and you're looking at, well, you know what? I've got decent credit, and we'll talk about DTI in a second. Uh, I can afford to put 5% down versus 3.5%. It might be worth it to take that extra 2.5% hit or 1.5% hit on the down payment so that you're, you're going to eat mortgage insurance regardless, right. right? But you'll have the opportunity. If for some reason rates don't come down significantly, you won't have to refi to get rid of that yep. extra payment a month. So yep. Just something to think about. Have your lender do the math. We yeah. can do the math, but yeah. we'll always, Absolutely. always, always refer you to our lender partners and say, hey, here's what the goal is and the plan is. What is the best case scenario for mm-hmm. this particular client with your particular, you know, interests yeah. and goals and, and so on and so forth? As a realtor, you said we, we are people. We're human. 
we still have that knee-jerk reaction as goddamn industry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I dropped my mortgage insurance, so my payment went down 175 bucks, but my insurance went, went up. Yep. I was like, get offset. They're trying to <laughs> stick it to me. And then yep. this year it renewed. My insurance doubled. Yep. Mm-hmm. It went to five grand. Damn. There's this, there's this I episode it, we did two, two episodes ago, <laughs> episode 37, <laughs> I believe, <laughs> talking about exactly why your insurance has doubled. So if you guys want to tune in and are curious about that, because it is mm-hmm. going to be a big hot topic, tune into the YouTube channel, episode yep. 37, Homeowners Insurance. And when I'm going with that is I called him up. Yep. yep. I called him up and I was like, hey, you got to do something because all states call me. They could do it for 1400 mm-hmm. So, yep. oh, you yeah. know, there's, there's factors within your payment. Talk to your realtors. I yeah, mean, absolutely. It, it, we may not be send, I was selling you a house, but we, we're relationship people. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we want to give you the information because at, at the end of the day, I want you to feel comfortable calling me about insurance, car buying. I don't know. I, I just want to be your go-to. So when you do buy a house, you know that I'm knowledgeable. I, yeah. was, uh, I was thinking about making a TikTok <laughs> earlier about how being a realtor is very similar to being in the mob because we just know people. Yeah. Somebody comes in and be like, hey, man. The connections. You got a guy that can find cats? I yeah, got, I got a, guy. a fucking guy. I call Jimmy. <laughs> I got right a guy. Hey, got you a guy got a guy right that up. has three wrenches, but they have to be silver? Yeah, I got a guy. I got a guy. <laughs> I got a guy. That and Networking, we're also. baby. I got a guy. Know, and we're also in times therapist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For sure. Exactly. So uh, are we, what, what, what do we got next? I think we're uh, only allowed, like, we're well. We're going to do, I don't know, but we'll, we'll do DTI because I think okay. that's also important because. Yep. A lot of people try and calculate their DTI, mm-hmm. and I'll let you guys explain what that is. Uh, but people really don't quite understand that there's a front end and a back end and how that plays into what they can be actually qualified for. And I think it's helpful because once you guys do understand how it's calculated, mm-hmm. you can do it on your own. Granted, there's obviously calculators on the internet, but if you just want to sit there and kind of take a look at your own finances and go, hey, where is my debt to income at? Mm-hmm. We're going to give you kind of the two ways to look at it. And that's exactly what DTI is. So DTI stands for debt to income. And the reason that it's so important to lenders is, of course, as we talked about, not only do they want to see how much you're making, that you do have a job and you can make the payments, they want to know how deep in the hole you already are before they give you more money that you're going to have to pay off. So DTI stands for debt to income. And Oscar, how do they, how do they look at that? What, what goes into it? The debt to income ratio, each bank has different guidelines, right? But the bank doesn't want you to spend um, 50, more than 50% of your income on your mortgage, right? So it has to, so you talked about the front end and the back end. It's the housing ratio and your total liabilities. So your housing ratio has to be super low. I think it's like 32 30, for FHA or something yeah. like that. 30 it's like 32 to 37. 30, 32 to 37% of your income cannot exceed your, uh, uh, cannot exceed the, the payment, right? Mm-hmm. So an easy way to calculate it is you take your payment, it's called 2,500 bucks, and your income, let's say you make about five grand a month. So you take the little number, you divide it by the big number, and you get a percentage. Mm-hmm. So that's an easy way to do your, your, your DTI. So, but the total DTI is your total liabilities. That's what is on credit. So the mortgage and car payment, credit cards, anything that's going to report on credit, mm-hmm. combined with your mortgage, that's your back end ratio. So the big ones. So there's we'll two see, of them. Well, big one, The big ones that we'll see on the back end ratio, right? Any kind of car loan, car payment. Yep. Your mortgage itself, or whatever that is, your uh, credit card payments right? and student loans. Student, student loans. loans coming up. Yep. That's a big in one. September, right? Yep. Uh, medical bills here. normally yeah. are not calculated, mm-hmm. right? So those, those are the big four. So, but then that, 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 that dips into something else, right? Collection Correct. and stuff like yes. that with FHA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but 
it's uh it's not us telling you or dictating what you can and can't do with your money it's your money you do what you want mm-hmm. but because of that debt to income ratio we say don't make big purchases because it's going to affect your bod don't make big purchases because it's going to affect your dti so mm-hmm. that's two things now right uh, because banks see and uh, your withdrawals from your bank statements are like, what the hell was this five thousand dollar withdrawal? They're gonna want to know. Well, hey, and guys, that's not just cars. That's also you're not going to Ashley Furniture and buying no a full piece couch you don't, set. You don't make any like. purchases on credit <laughs> during the home ownership yep. process. Don't make anything on credit. If you mm-hmm. have to, go for it. Unless it's dire, don't make any purchases on mm-hmm. credit or big purchases. Period. Because that comes into debit cards. Yep. yep. Because it's coming. It's coming out of your bank account. So you're gonna screw up your DTI. And it's happened to me. Mm-hmm. I was showing a good friend of ours, and he was he was he wasn't tight on his uh, debt to income ratio, but he was he was there. Mm-hmm. And um, we're on a contract; everything lo- is looking golden. We go to inspection, and what does he do? He rolls up in his brand new Lexus. I looked <laughs> over at him and I said, "Please tell me that's your sister's car." He goes, "Nope, I got a deal on it. I picked it up two weeks, or I picked it up three or four days ago." And I was like. All right, I'm going to call this inspection. And he's like, what? I was like, we're not inspecting this house. You just screwed yourself, dude. Mm-hmm. You better have a policy that you could take this thing back or figure out how you're going to refinance it because now you can't buy a house. Because it was like a $700, or $700 payment. It's wild. So we talked about this about six episodes ago. I want to reiterate it. The number one reason people can't afford houses is their car payments. So just yes. understand that. Mm-hmm. Like, If you're paying on the average the five to $600 a month in your car payment, it's going to affect your debt to income. That's why we're yes. talking about it. So for simple math, let's say you make $10,000 a month, okay? It's $120,000 a year. From the front end, if we have to be at or below, call it 35%, that means your mortgage payment can't be more than what? Mm $3,500? Very simple way to do it, right? That's that's at 35%. Now, let's say you go FHA. Um, I think they can go up to 50 to 55%. 55, 65 sometimes. I mean, depending on the, the bank. 55%, you make that 10 grand a month. Your monthly debt expenditures, including your mortgage that you are qualifying for, would be $5,500 a month, which mm-hmm. means if your mortgage is $3,500 a month, right, then the rest of your debt, credit card payment, car $1, payment, $1, and student loans can't exceed, can't exceed $1,500 or $2,500, mm-hmm. or sorry, $2,000. Can't exceed $2,000, right? right? $5,500. A $700 a month car payment is almost 40% of that. Yep. Here's the other thing that people don't understand about debt to income. Oscar, I have a credit card, okay, that's got a $10,000 limit, and I've got $7,000 on it. My minimum payment is $135 a month, right? But I pay $350 a month. What does the bank take into account? $170. Right? The minimum payment. Minimum payment. It's not what you guys pay, right? Mm -hmm. There's people that have a $3,000 credit card, uh, expenditure and their minimum payment is $75 a month, but you guys pay $200 a month to get under, uh, over it. The bank isn't looking at the $200 a month. When they yeah. qualify you for an amount, it's based on your minimum card payment. The other thing that people don't quite understand is when I say you make $10,000 a month, that is pre-tax. pre-tax. That is gross yep. income. Okay. So if you're sitting there going, well, I make $10,000 a month. I can afford $3,500 a month because that leaves me with $6,500 left over. It doesn't because at its base level, that $10,000 a month is pre-tax. Mm-hmm. So whatever you pay in taxes, your health insurance that comes out of your pay- paycheck, if you pay to a 401k, that's what your actual spending money is. The bank will qualify you off of gross income. Mm-hmm. It's important because people will assume 
that the bank's qualifying them off of their paycheck that they get their take-home paycheck, it is not. So all of a sudden, yeah. people are like, wait a second. I thought I had $3,500 a month more than I really do. Mm-hmm. No. So pay attention. And again, the bank, the bank, does, the bank doesn't want to lose. And the bank's not in, in the business of real estate. Mm-hmm. So that's why lose. they're tight on those ratios. Because if you're coming in with 1%, all right, that's big risk. And now you're stretching yourself. The bank knows that you're going to walk away from this. And now they yep. have to hire attorneys for foreclosure. Mm-hmm. They have to throw it on the market with an REO agent, which is funny because we're talking about acronyms. And the last administration, the guy that they put in for the fair housing, yeah. didn't know what REO, REO, REO was. was. Yep. But he's head of that. that but he was that the was, best. That was crap. That was crap. <laughs> he should at least know what REO was. Should have Real estate owned, right? Yeah. Yeah. Bank owned properties. So anyway, that's a whole other subject. <laughs> Whether you, well, I don't care what side of the coin you are on that one. But um, the bank, the bank doesn't want to have to go through those processes. It's expensive right. for them. It right? is. Yep. That's why the foreclosure process takes so mm-hmm. long because they're going to give you some time to make it right. Yeah. So, so a, a quick, a quick calculation just for you that, that are listening or watching. Um, the total workable standard hours that you can have is 280, uh, 2,080 hours. So if you make $25 an hour, 25 times 2,080 divided by 12, that's your monthly. Nice. That's something I, that was my nice. mortgage days. Yeah, that, that's good info right there. Jamie, how much, how much more do we have left in the lending section? Uh, I mean, we can touch on a bunch of different stuff, but if we want to go to the real estate side, we can. Let's go real well, estate. On, well, no, honestly, I was, I was just going to say we're, we're already 50 minutes in, boys. Yeah, we can do let's, so let's we touch a couple for real estate. A quick, a quick, a quick fire. You want to do a quick fire? Quick fire. Quick fire. APR. Go for it. Cars. Annual percentage rate. Uh, APRs <laughs> are gonna take in consideration all your fees when you when you um, apply for a financing, right? Your interest rate is gonna be your interest rate that dictates your monthly payment, but then you factor in your closing costs, uh, all the fees that, that are in the loan. And then that calculates your APR. Yep. Points. Ooh. Points. So points, when you're talking about um, buying a house, you can use points to then buy down your rate. And each point, correct me if I'm wrong, is worth $1,000. Each point's 1% of the loan. 1%. So 1% of the loan, but a lot of the time you're going to see 1000 plus. When well, it comes yeah. To buying yeah. So if I have a four hundred thousand dollar loan, one point is going to cost me four grand at the closing table. Yes. Right. So th- there's mm-hmm. a big matrix behind that too. If you're if you if you're dealing with a broker, um, there's a there's a matrix that has their standard par rate. Yes. Right. That means they're not making any money from the bank or the wholesale supplier, and that's what the minimum rate they'll take before it's going to cost them money, and then they'll pass that cost over to you. Correct. So uh, a, uh, if they're because they they want to make they don't work for free. They mm-hmm. want to make some money, so they'll take above par rate, and then that's what they offer you. If you're going to take par, they might charge you up front. Now, if you're going to take a lower rate, which is 2-1 buy-down or whatever, what, whatnot, then they're paying more to get that rate, which they'll pass on to you, and then that's what points, yep. all the points come from. Well, the reason this is important is because last month we hit 7.5% mortgage rates right mm-hmm. on average. The, the lenders don't have tables for that high of rates right now. Yeah. So that seven and a half percent was still costing on average either a half a point to three quarters of a point to get to a seven and a half percent. So as a consumer, it just means when you're looking at your you know good faith estimate, saying hey, how much is this loan going to cost me? And all of a sudden you see a line item that's going to cost you an extra fifty seven hundred dollars a month, or sorry, fifty seven hundred dollars at closing to get that seven and a half percent. That's because it's points. Yep. Right. So a lot of times if you're scrolling online. What's the best mortgage rate to get right now? And you get all these different things, offer, 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 offer. Mm-hmm. It'll say, like today, I saw one for 6.125%. 
Then you look at it and said four points. Yep. Okay. So let's do easy math on a five hundred thousand dollar house. Four points. That's five thousand times four. That's twenty grand. It's going to cost mm-hmm. you a closing to get a six one two five. And yep. that's why new construction they budgeted for that. Yes. Exactly. Well, and that's the other thing that I wanted to say too is the the important thing about one thing that I want to notate about points is you know you hear interest rates seven point five percent, six point eight percent, seven point two percent. When we say points, we are not talking. 1.0 point. We are talking point one point. So what I mean by that is you're not going to go and buy one point and go from a 7% interest rate to a 6% interest rate. Nope. It doesn't work like that. No. You're buying down that 0.5. It's a sliding scale. So yep. the, the more you buy down, the more those points cost. Mm-hmm. It's exactly. Not, it's not a linear graph. Mm-hmm. If I go from a 7.5 to a 7. Every bank has different, yeah. different scenarios. I mean, it's, it's just, um, I think, and... Has just one for like their first, first time home buyers. Mm-hmm. It's a standard three grand, and you it, it depends. You could go down. Sometimes you could go down a half a point, or yeah. you could go down three quarters. Yeah. So for mm-hmm. example, to, to Charlie's point, right? Let's say I want to go from a seven point five to a seven, mm-hmm. and it costs me one point. Okay. But if I want to go to a seven to a six point five, it's not going to cost me one more point. Yes. It could cost me another two points. Mm-hmm. And if I go from a six five to a six, it could cost me five points. Look yep. at the point as what the bank is going to charge you to get there. Correct. Yes. Uh, wh- whether it's a percentage point of what the Is it still costing cost them money to borrow that money right. to, to finance your mortgage? Yes. All right. Enough. All right. CMA. Comparative market analysis. Or, I mean, I've heard some people say competitive market analysis. but Current com- market analysis. Current market analysis. But basically what that stands for in any iteration Confusing of it. Confusing market analysis. Yeah. Right. What that means is your realtor is going to go through and look at Properties that match yours, so if it's a two-bed, three-bath, you have 1,400 square foot, your realtor is going to go through and go, okay, I'm going to look for the houses that are four-bed, three-bath, 1,500 square feet, and then they're going to see what those homes sold for in comparison to yours. Now, that is very basic. That is, you know, like as basic as it can get just going square footage and, and bedrooms because obviously we have other things like size of the yard, covered patio, all these all these other things cul-de-sac, that add to no it. cul-de-sac, backs open space, doesn't back open space. At the end of the day, you could look at a real basic way is looking what is sold in the neighborhood. Yes. But at the end of the day, what you really want to do is compare apples to apples. Yep. Yes. And this absolutely. is very important. When we're doing a competitive, comparative, confusing mm-hmm. market analysis, do we look at homes that are active? No. If you're going to list just to see what your competition is. Correct. Yeah, yeah. But if I'm, a, if I'm purchasing you need to or see even closed. if I'm listing, because again, you can see what the, com- the com- competition is, mm-hmm. but that house may sit for 67 days at that price Indus- point. Industry standard is apples to apples. If you have a ranch, look for ranches. Yep. Um, you can't go further than you're going to try to stay within a quarter mile radius, max half a mile. You're going to want to look for, um, man, I just went blank. Uh, oh, time, t- uh, timeline, right? You got to stay within 90 days of the last sale. It's mm-hmm. super funny because it used to be 180 and how quickly this market has been. You yeah. can't look, past, you can't look 180. No. I mean, I mean, in special occasions, you could, yeah, if it's, if you it's, could, you could try if, there, if there's no sales. Yeah. If it's you like could rural, go back a little bit. Yeah. Rural property. Or if there's no sales, you could maybe yeah. stretch out a three quarters of a mile. Mm-hmm. If there's no sales, maybe you could compare a ranch to a eye level yeah. and, and then you start deductions and it's kind of rough for me because I, I can't just go on the app and say, all right, this is what's selling in the neighborhood right. because I see another acronym. I used, to, I used to do BPOs and that's a little bit different than a CMA. A BPO is a broker price opinion. We had to go in there and then really do a mini appraisal on it 
and then we had to send it off to the bank. Yeah, that when I was doing REOs, acronyms, alphabet suit all day. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Um, and then the other thing that I, that I want to note on CMAs is we see a lot of conversations now going around home prices. And something that I really just want to drive home when it comes to CMAs is we tend to forget that your property's value is based on the other properties in your area. So you're seeing a lot about, you know, interest rates and people don't want to get out of them. Home prices are going to go up, go down. As long as we are still sitting in the market that we have where inventory is low and there is still competition for that low inventory, there is still a possibility for home prices to rise because if your neighbor sells for 500000 and your home is worth four fifty, but you have the same kind of build, now your home can creep closer to five. And I don't know about you guys, but if I'm going to sell my home, as everybody does, we're looking for the top value. Everybody wants to right. get the most for their home. I mean, in real estate, a, a, an appraisal is a very structured opinion of what your house is worth mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Yep. It could be very sub subjective at times, but at the end of the day, what's your house worth? It's what someone's willing to pay for it. Exactly. And that's what drove our prices up because exactly. a, a house was on the market for 400000 but someone needed to get into a home mm -hmm. and they liked yours, they're going to give you 500000 And now what did that do? Skew the appraisal. Exactly. Because they got to get three comparables, three solds in the area, and they're going to go apples to apples and make their adjustments. This one's mm -hmm. in better condition. This has a little bit more square footage, more uh, another bathroom, another bedroom, and then they're going to kick out a yep. price. But if someone has cash money, which mm -hmm. there was a lot of Californians coming in with a lot of cash exactly. money. I said, I want that house. I had that same house in California and I paid mm -hmm. a million bucks. I'll give you five. I know you want four, but I'll give you five and beat everybody out cash. Yep. Now that drove the market up. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I just wanted to make that a point as to why CMAs are so important, especially in mm -hmm. a market like we're seeing right now. Yep. Um, all right, let's do uh, escrow. Escrow. Oh, Joseph, you go for it. Escrow? Yeah. Basically, it's just, it's a interest-bearing account that you can put funds into? Trust account. Trust account, right? Mm -hmm. In Colorado, it's a little bit different because we use title companies. Uh, there's some areas that we'll use brokerages that will that will hold funds, such as earnest money. But in Colorado, we have trust, we have title companies that we pay to manage the money, right? Mm -hmm. So they are essentially the facilitators of the escrow account. And within that escrow account, a lot of different things can go into an escrow account. Yes. The most common that you'll see realistically is the earnest money itself, yes. right? If I offer on a house in Colorado, on average, 1% of the purchase price mm -hmm. will be paid for an earnest money, which will then go towards your down payment, closing yep. costs, et cetera. But the earnest money will be held by the title company in an interest-bearing account. Yep. If for some reason something weird happens, if you close, they release that earnest money, it goes towards the mm -hmm. closing costs, and you're good to go. Well, and, and, and it's not a workable account. That's why I say yes. it's a trust account. Yes. It's not a workable account. Nope. It yes. only holds funds, mm -hmm. and um, it's in, it is interest-bearing. And, and it's for a third It's because I was say, a you third want party a third-party control. Mm -hmm. There's some brokerages that do do it. There are, yes. There, uh, uh, Keller was one of them, <laughs> and, and, and they have their own trust account, but they yes. also have office managers and all exactly. that other yes. stuff. But if you're a homeowner already, you're dealing with escrows mm -hmm. with your monthly payment. Correct. That's because the, the, yes. the, the mortgage company or the bank, your, your mortgage servicer, um, they're going to hold an escrow account for your insurance and they're going to hold an escrow account for your taxes. Yes. Why? And it's free to you because it's in their best interest for their asset to always be insured. Correct. So they're going to send your insurance payment and they want to be first lien on your property. Hey, I have the money. I'm first lien here. If something happens, it's my property. Mm -hmm. Guess what happens if you don't pay your taxes? Uncle Sam comes in and says, Mr. Mortgage, I come first. So yep. they want to make sure your taxes are paid, and they want to make sure that your the assets always insured. Same and reason they, why it goes into an escrow. Why account. when you buy a new construction home, right? They don't know what the taxes are on it because mm -hmm. it's still improved land at that point. 
they'll over, most of the time overestimate your taxes. Put that in your escrow account. And that way, because we're, we pay taxes in arrears, so we pay taxes this year for the previous year, mm-hmm. when the tax comes due, and let's say your escrow account has $3,200 set aside and it's been paying monthly, right, for your PITA that mm-hmm. we talked about earlier, then all of a sudden the taxes, the actual evaluation comes in and they owe you $1,000, then that escrow account and your lender will cut you a check as a refund for those overpaid taxes. Yeah, and I'm always most commonly, get money back from my mortgage. The most common way that you're going to yeah. hear this as, as somebody who's going through a real estate transaction is a lot of time you're going to hear your realtor or your lender, whoever it is, say, we are now in escrow. Correct. So, and, and If you're in California. Yeah. We're, in, we're not an escrow state. We're a table well, state. We're a table state, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm saying as far as people who, if they're looking to, to know what's going on mm-hmm. and how this is going to be used, most often you will hear, we are in escrow, which basically yeah. just means that we have reached the point where there is money in that fund, Correct. in that account. That we can, that is no longer in our control. It's going to be paid out by somebody else. Yes. As a third party, Mm -hmm. unbiased party, that's going to make sure everybody gets what they need. Exactly. Uh, We've heard it three times now, so I'm going to throw something out there. It's not on my list. Lean. Lean. And touching on the whole escrow thing, a lot of the hype and HDTV stuff is based Mm -hmm. out of California. Escrow is something that's always thrown around. Doesn't apply to Colorado. And also, um, another one that's always thrown around is a mortgage. Not in Colorado. Mm Mm-hmm. Because we are a table state, yep. everything's recorded right there and then, mm-hmm. and then we're a deed of trust state. Yes. Yep. So there's a public trustee. Mm-hmm. The bank doesn't hold your note. Correct. A, a, public, tr- a, a, a public trustee holds your note, and then when the consumer says, or the consumer pays the bank, then the bank says, Mr. Public Trustee, release the deed. They've paid off their loan. Yep. yep. So that's a whole and other so, episode. And um, so we, we did touch on liens a little bit in a previous episode with Laura Avery Collins, but virtually to just go as basic as I can, a lien, to have a lien on your home is basically somebody saying, I have given this person money and if they are not able to perform the payments that I am due, then I get a right to go after them for that property, for that asset. So a lot of the times you hear Oscar said, you know, uh, your mortgage is your first lien on the house. You can have a landscaping lien. You could have an HOA you lien. You can have a second mortgage lien. Yep. Mm-hmm. If so you take it out. Someone comes in, remodels your bathroom, and you're like, you should have took the money up front. I'm not paying you. Yep. What's that guy going to do? Put a lien. He's going to go down to uh, the county clerk and say, Mr. Homeowner didn't pay me for this work order that I did. I'm going to put a $5,000 lien on the house. That means you don't pay me. The time will come. You yep. go to sell or do anything with your house, you got to pay that guy off. Yeah, and it might acquire interest. Who knows? Yep. And that is that is a, a good, uh, an important part, right? Because like as we're talking about lending, loan loan to value, we're talking about DTI, your liens come into play significantly when you're looking to sell the house. Hell, what if you refinance? Yep. Got to pay the mm-hmm. liens off. Right? Hey, yep. I'm, I'm never going to sell my house, so I'm not going to pay this guy. Mm-hmm. Cool. You better be good with that seven and a half percent interest rate then. Yep. Because if you want to refi into a four and a half percent in three years, guess what's going to happen? You're going to owe them plus interest most of mm-hmm. Liens, judgments. Yep. That all goes with title. Yep. Um, last one we'll do. I'm not going to do HOA. Okay. Only because I think that could literally be its an own entire episode. episode. Oh, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll go with that. It so, is a homeowners association. That's what it, it is. It is homeowners association. Yeah, leave it at but that. outside of that, that will be maybe that'll be our next episode. Yeah. Yeah. HOA yeah you know what? Next episode next week. HOA, HOA homeowners. HOAs, the good, the bad, the ugly. <laughs> you guys bum, are watching bum, this. Bum. I want any and all questions and horror stories from your HOA. Yeah. All right, cool. So the last one then, we'll do um, contingency. Contingency. In, as it relates to a real estate contract. Like if I'm offering as a contingent 
offer. Yeah. So basically, and again, I'm going to go plain terms and I'm going to let Oscar take, take a little bit more in depth. A contingency basically says, hey, I'm going to do this, but only if this happens first. Contingency. Oscar, what does that look like with... with I feel like we're like the... Uh Typically. This is like the Sesame Street. Yeah, it, well, that's that's. I mean, but that's Sesame honestly what it should be, right? I like, it's, it's, I have to know. <laughs> or, a one, or, or, or the love, a three, a three. <laughs> you go from no, <laughs> where, nowhere. Exactly. Uh, what was that? That was um. Oh man, we'll get into that later. Contingency <laughs> in real estate, as it relates, the most common terms is I have a house to sell before I could buy yours. That's mm-hmm. the plain and simple. Mm-hmm. So I could write an offer um, while I'm selling my house, and then the seller. Um, Turn, or the the news the, the seller to the replacement home is going to look at the contract and there's contingency that I have to sell my home first in order for this to happen and you have a date of that to happen uh, but there's other contingencies right um, I, I mean you even that. have like a move out a move out contingency yeah you can throw so it's in just there. something has to happen prior to the end goal to happen yep so here's uh I've got two things I want to say first off example uh, on I have a listing here in Parker that potentially had a contingency to paint the exterior of the house mm-hmm. uh, before we sold based on the HOA. <laughs> okay. Uh, bum, we went bum, through bum. and we, we, we came to an agreement with the buyers, which was also interesting <laughs> because we, we listed this house mm-hmm. and to Oscar's point of hey, a house is worth whatever somebody's willing to pay for it. We got our at list offer within two days yep. because this particular buyer wanted to live in the exact same neighborhood as her daughter in a ranch because she was downsizing and getting a little bit older. Didn't have a ton of other interest on the property. All it took was one, but now that 585 stands as a comp, which I had, I had it competitively analyzed out at about 570, mm-hmm. and we went 15 over because one person said, hey, this is what this house is worth to me, and now anybody else that sells that neighborhood, guess what? Yeah, we're not going to talk about how they went non-contingent, though. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> that's also a different episode. But anyway, the second piece of this, from a contingency standpoint, if you are a seller... Okay, and your agent says, hey, we have a contingent offer for you. Your first question is going to be, okay, when do they have to sell the house by? Well, they have to sell it by 10 days before they close on this house. Mm -hmm. And that way, if they don't, you're gone, right? Here's my suggestion for you guys, if you're not working with one of us, to ask your agent. Have them counter that with what? Three dates, I would say. When the house is going to be listed by, because you got to remember, life lesson, everybody. Not everybody's urgency is the same no. when it comes mm. to anything in life, okay? Nope. So if somebody goes, hey, my contingency deadline is, you know, I don't know. We're in September. It's September 5th, right? Uh, what does it say? Whatever. Wednesday Sixth. the 6th. 6th. <laughs> so let's say we, we want to close in 30 days. So we put a contingency deadline and say, hey, the house has to be sold by the 25th, okay? They could drag their heels and not get a photographer and not clean the house and not get mm-hmm. it staged and all these different things. But when if you, you don't give them a specific date to list, that's on your agent, honestly, right? I, I usually call and be like, is it listed? So, well, here's the, here's, yeah. right, but here's the thing. <laughs> Where are you? We're talking about contracts. So Why are you sending me At an the offer? end of the day, they send an offer. This is what I would counter with. I would counter with a specific date that they have to have it listed by. Usually, if you're going on a contract, I'd say within a week. Under contract right? date. Uh, then I would have a date of when they need to be under contract by mm-hmm. and then a date on when they need to be closed by. And that way, as a seller... It gives you, if something weird happens or if you get another offer down the line because you're accepting backup offers, it gives you three separate outs Mm -hmm. to then go with maybe a non-contingent offer. If for some reason, yeah, you know what? They hit the we're listed by date, but they didn't hit the we're in a contract by date 
and before that you got another offer that's 10,000 over that, it doesn't hamstring you as a seller to not be able to take that other offer. Right. You and, can and sit there and call and say, hey, here's the deal. I'll give you two extra days to get it's this an, other contract. A safety net. Safety it net. gives you, right? it, it allows you to dictate whether you want to get out of the contract or not. Exactly. But that's if your agent's not safety, doing safety that, and you're taking contingent offers on the sale of your home, you're missing out. Just yes. something that right. I would, I would and, recommend And, and those are standard standard dates that yep. um, that you should use. Not everybody does them. Well, and the reason the they smart don't, agents do. Yes. And builders use them. And the reason they don't is but because they if, you look at, if you look at the dates and the deadlines in an offer, there's only one date and deadline that has to deal with contingencies. That's it. Mm-hmm. So you have to go into the additional uh, amendments and, and provisions. Additional provisions. And spell that out. And if you're not, if your agent's not doing that, Find a different agent. Question Just saying. his ability. Or bring it up if you are working with somebody else and they're talking about, hey, how do I deal with contingent offers? This is something that we'll arm you guys with. Hey, I'd like to counter if we do get a contingent offer with three dates and deadlines so that we have a safety net. And your agent's going to go, holy shit. Yep. Cool. Yep. Well, yet again. And your agent's going to be like, uh, do you just want to sell this house? Because yeah. you know more than I do. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, and that's, yet again. Phenomenal information, guys. I mean, and, and we didn't get through all the terms, so we'll probably circle back to it. But shout out, Evan. Thank you for, for giving us the idea to break it Thanks. down a little bit. Yep. I think I think that this honestly will help will help a yeah. good amount of people because um, and, and this is where the Soros edition. Right. Yeah. The Soros edition. Glossary. Glossary, right? And again, we just it, – it's, it's – with me, it's it, – yes, it's passion, but it's more of – I've been doing this for so long, it's like – I had a good friend it of mine flows. stop me and say, hey, whoa, whoa, stop, stop, stop. Right. I just had one question. You're going yeah. into real estate mode. Shut up. Yep. <laughs> it's just, yep. there's a lot we behind everyone. We all do it, right? Mm-hmm. There's oh, yeah. a we lot behind You find yourself at a party, right? you're 30 minutes into the conversation now. Yeah, and again, we, the whole point of this is we know that not everybody watching or listening to this is going to use us three, right? Mm-hmm. We'd love if you did. Please do. Point at the cameras, every camera. We'd love to. However, we know that people have previous relationships, so we just want to make sure you guys go in yep. as prepared as possible. And these are some of the questions that I think people should ask. Absolutely. And I think this is a, for me, I, I, I think now moving into the one rock takeaway, um, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and kind of start it off. But we say it all the time, knowledge is power. But for my one rock takeaway for this episode is think about how much you're missing out on by not having this knowledge. Because mm-hmm. When I was talking to my friend about it, like you just said, I got into real estate mode. I started talking, and same exact thing happened. He goes, "Man, I don't, I don't know. You got, you got you to track back for me." But I know personally, in the last two years, I went from knowing absolutely nothing about real estate to taking a class that took me two months, and now I'm having conversations on levels with business partners with other people that I never would have been able to have specifically because I have this baseline knowledge. So my one rock takeaway is just be aware of what you don't know and how much that's hurting you in your endeavors. Yep. My one rock takeaway is HOAs. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're shit. (laughs) Sometimes it may be good. Sometimes it may be shit. No, uh, you know, at the end of the day, this whole, uh, this whole podcast is based on knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, Screen your agent. Mm-hmm. Screen your lender. Um, one of my last transactions I wrote, I wrote offers for, I mean, I presented myself well. I, I, care about, I care about my client more than I care about myself. Because mm-hmm. if I really would have cared about my business, which is a horrible business decision, um, I would have came on top of what just happened to me with this transaction. But instead, I took the higher road and I, I made sure my buyer was taken care of. I am super knowledgeable when it comes to my clients um, and then my business second. 
fine. But know what your agent is doing because they're going to save you money and they're going to save you headaches down the road. Mm-hmm. And if they don't know, if well, they don't have the, and, and, and well, with this other client, I, I, I was going to present everything to them and they said, Oscar, we don't care. Where do we sign? We trust you. Mm-hmm. Pump the brakes. I need to get this out. I need to tell you because one, I won't sleep tonight. And two, it's important for you to know. Mm-hmm. It's important for you. If your agent sits down, you sign. Well, and, and not explaining this to you, that's a big red flag. Well, and again, and that, that's what I was going to say is that, you know, playing off of my one rock takeaway is exactly what you said, Oscar. And this is where, again, watch the wholesaling video because we talked about this. If you go into it as a for sale by owner, if you go into it talking to a real estate agent and you don't know these terms, you don't know what they're talking about, you will get taken advantage of eventually by an agent or by a person that knows more than you do simply because you don't have that information. I am sorry, but I take my agency seriously. And if you mm-hmm. come to me as a, a customer and you want representation, my fiduciary responsibility is to my client. Exactly. And I am going to make sure they come more than on top of this whole transaction. You're going to get chewed up. I'm sorry. You took, you took this road. That's fine. I love you. My heart's big, but... When it comes to my business, I'm a bulldog. I'm gonna take. Yep. I'm gonna take you to the cleaners. I'm gonna take you to the deep end and mm-hmm. drown you. That's just the way it is. Get a good agent. Yep. Get a good agent. Jameson, they're your life raft. Um. Yeah. I think the the theme seems pretty similar. So I'm gonna stay in that same vein. If you guys take anything from this conversation, I hope it's that you can sniff out bullshit quicker when you guys are getting approached by realtors, agents, so on and so forth, because stop them and ask said them. this forever. The bar to entry to become a realtor <laughs> is fucking ridiculously low. It $350. Is, okay? <laughs> it is. Uh, and I will say that coming from, I would call myself a fairly intelligent human being. I took a test and studied, right? Paid 600 bucks for the course, passed it easily. I've used almost nothing. <laughs> from <laughs> that $600 course ooh, that ooh. was 168 are, hours. Implements. Yeah, right? What are How implements? many square feet are in a fucking acre? Uh, 43,650. Yeah. When yeah, you deal like, with land. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I've used them once in yes. 22 years. It's, mm-hmm. it's a joke is what I'm saying. So the experience comes, or the knowledge, right? The knowledge comes from experience. And yep. I truly believe, experience and passion, actually. Yeah. And curiosity. Those three intertwine, okay? Mm-hmm. The point is we do this podcast because of experience gaining knowledge and having curiosity and as those things intertwine if i would challenge anybody watching this that if you were to talk to one of us versus somebody else there'd be a pretty delineated uh like i said one of my like it would be pretty apparent part of my spiel is hit me with everything correct if i don't know it it's a cold day in hell but i'll I'll admit it right so and that's the other i'll I'll get the answer for you that's the other piece of this right because humility comes into it as well Mm mm-hmm but my, the, my rock takeaway is this type of conversation. We're taking the time to break things down for you guys and then give examples about why it's important and you know, using specific scenarios within our own experience to help you guys understand. When you go and talk to somebody else, our hope is that that is apparent, that there are levels to this shit. Mm-hmm. And we want you guys to be able to have the conversations. Let's say it's not with any of us, but you go and interview three agents on your own that we don't know from Adam. Our hope is that you can use what we give you here to make that decision that much easier because you're going to go, oh, shit, this is way easy. These two are a joke. 
this one actually cares yep. and is knowledgeable and has the experience and you go with that person and it's a great transition. Put them through the ringer. Hit them with some of the stuff we give you. And if you're out of state, obviously you you may or may not be able to use you. I, yep. I, I, I was going to be licensed in Florida and, and in Texas at one point, but yeah, I thought I, I, I'm, not, I'm not because I, I just, it's just not a good business plan, right? Yeah. But what we can do is vet agents yes. for you exactly. and, and tie into it to the point where we may or may not be able to look over stuff with your permission and say, you know what, this is good. When it's in another state, it's kind of hard because there's different laws, right? Yeah. But if it's, if it's but, written but if permission it, if it, from a buyer, in another but state. We, we'll look at it and we'll get the basics, right? Mm -hmm. the, there's a general test for real estate that's across the board. And then there's state law. There's yep. two tests. So call us. If you're in another state, we're pretty familiar with all states. We've decent traveled. Um, and we have connections with mm -hmm. other realtors. And yep. I have connections in almost every state. Yep. yep. Uh, Montana, Wyoming. Nobody's moving there. Anymore. No one's moving there. <laughs> Sorry, guys. They want you to. I love, I love fishing <laughs> and hunting to. over there. But um, call us. We'll vet them for you. Yep. If you don't want to do that, we will do that for you. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and, we'll, and we'll refer you to a good agent. I have contacts in Keller Williams. They're, across, they're, they're international. Oh, yeah. Williams, Remax, Remax, international. international. Fathom is international. Yep. Mm -hmm. A Compass, interna EXP. Inter they're all international. And we have friends in other states. Yep. We will vet for you and say, you know what? This guy's good, plus I'll keep tabs on him. Yep. yep. Yeah, we want to be your bullshit radar. That, mm -hmm. That's yes. my rock takeaway for today. Let us be your bullshit radar. And if we give you answers that another agent can't give the answers to, and we give those to you today, call bullshit. Good, that's call it. bullshit. Absolutely. Well, I think this is a really good time to move into the Bourbon Review. And I'll tell you what. I tell you I what. I tell you what. I tell you what. Um, I, you know... It, a lot of the time, for me, whenever I see a bottle like Angel's Envy, we've done the Woodford Reserves. We've like the bottles that you see. The staple high shelves. Yeah, the staple high shelves. A lot of the time, I the come top at shelves? it. Why the fuck did I say high shelves? Either way, it's it's high the top. That's it's a high shelf it's not dispensary. Because right? you guys been drinking. <laughs> um, for me, I always like start with a chip on my shoulder, only because it's like I don't want you to be a staple. I, I yeah. don't. I, you know, like you're why why? But I think that Angel's Envy held up through and through um mm -hmm. from the first sip i mean even it wasn't the neck pour but the, the first pour from the bottle all the way to to the end again room temperature wise mm -hmm. like the flavor sits and i will say that as as you if you take a sip and you let it sit a little bit i definitely feel like the dryness on my tongue mm -hmm. from the wine yeah like i i, I get the flavor 100 percent. the sweetness sits on the back this would be a phenomenal uh, cocktail bourbon great to drink on its own for me but for sure and you guys know I love the sweet uh, this one he eats Reese's cupcakes <laughs> I this one has a really good back into it and, and I think it's a testament to being able to drink it neat and still be able to get good flavor throughout the whole throughout the whole sip and I mean I've only done one pour so this has been sitting out it it opened up really well, and, and I, I love the sweetness from it. You, I love you the keep on bringing up room temperature. You, you, you prefer rocks, I assume? Or at least a chilled glass. Yeah, yeah. my stuff's always room temperature. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, um, if you don't mind, um, I, I, I look at bourbons, and if I've never had it, I look at the journey. Yeah. I'm open. Mm -hmm. It's either going to suck or be good, or let's enjoy this journey. Give it a, give it a chance. Evaluate. 
That's yep. kind of how I take bourbon yeah. at this point. At first, I was like, it's high end. Mm. It better be good. Yep. Now it's like, it's high end. It might suck. Let's see what's up. Yep. Yep. And now at this point, like I said, I had that 135 that was like a four $350 bottle. Tasted it. Nobody could drink it. I was like, this is bourbon aficionados are bullshit. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. We're just, we're just three guys that like to drink it's all bourbon. Bur- it's all business. Yeah, it, it is. It's all marketing. Yep. It's all business. And at the end of the day, if you have one that you like, this one you like. But for me, I'm going to give this one uh, give this one a solid four, for sure. It's the only reason that right. I that I wouldn't give it a little bit lower is because it does it is dominated. Obviously, it's port, it's coming port barrel, but it is dominated by that sweetness. You mm-hmm. don't you don't get a lot of the wood that 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 wood flavor in there. I'm going to give it four. Yeah. Yeah, for all the same reasons. Um, it's easy to find, so easy to enjoy. It's always a good thing. What's right? the cost on it again? Sixty. Okay. See, ooh, I don't know. I don't know that that that's. I think that's a little bit steep for the flavor that we've had compared to the other ones that we've tasted. But I'll stick with the four. Maybe maybe leaning a little bit more towards four point five on that one. But four point two five. Yeah, yeah. You know, but I, I'll stick with the four because I, I do. You honestly, pay for some points. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I pay for yeah. points on that one. I pay for points. <laughs> I pay for points on exactly. that. Exactly. No, yeah. I give it a four. I think it's drinkable. I I mean, obviously, on you know a single cube, it opens up. Mm-hmm. Room temperature has been great. Sweetness, a little over. It's not. Oh, I wouldn't say it's overpowering, but it is the. It's dominating. The, yeah, it's. I mean, you you get the burn in the front end, mm-hmm. but it settles sweet on the back end, which I I like because mm-hmm. um, it leaves me wanting more or to take another sip. Um, yeah, yeah four. I like four. I'm I'm gonna agree. I give it a four. Um, I'm I'm a fan of Angel's Envy. They make a great rye. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do. Make I think that that plays, like to try their that, rye. that plays a lot into my decision because they they do, they make a good product. Mm-hmm. I've never had this one. Um, it's to me, it's it's not even the sweet. To me, it's it doesn't go. It, it needs to fucking decide. Mm-hmm. It's not port. It's not bourbon, and it's just like this here flavor. And when it comes to bourbon, I want either the flavor to be a little bit more. Um, well-rounded when it's hitting me or tastes like bourbon with a hint of something, but it bourbon's the main mm-hmm. attraction. It's, this one doesn't make a, to me, this one doesn't make a decision, man. Are, are you a bourbon or, or are you going to be the flavor? And mm-hmm. it kind of just, it just doesn't mix or I don't know. It just, it, it kind of throws my taste buds off yeah. and it gives me like a dry mouth. I can definitely see why this is a, this is a staple in bars though. Yeah, but it's good. Absolutely. I mean, it's not bad. It's just my, my palate at this point. Mm-hmm. I, I want, I want a decision made yeah. and it doesn't do it, but I highly recommend angels. Envy. Yeah. I love mm-hmm. angels Envy. their products are good. This one I've never had. It's a four. Um, they're rye. If I had to, from my, my memory, I'd probably give it a three or two. Yeah, the rye's good. They're right, really good. We're gonna have to but try this it. one's the probably, this is a solid four. They didn't have the rye when I went over there. That's this is a solid four. It. It's a good we're, bottle. Yeah. It's a four. Yeah. We're going to have to try it out. Well, guys, thank you so much for, for sticking with us for another episode. Uh, remember, you can catch us on YouTube, on YouTube at Living in He's Colorado. He's only had one. Right? <laughs> Not even. Uh, at YouTube uh, or YouTube at Living in Colorado, the Mile High Perspective. And you can get in touch with us at R-E-S-O-T-R at themilehighperspective.com or give us a phone call. 303-578-0263. And you can reach all of us on social media. That's Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Mine is That Lifting Agent. Jameson. The Colorado Real Estate Guy. Oscar, Oscar the Realtor. Um, and X. Ooh. It's no longer Twitter. X. Oh, you're right. X. Oscar I'm on, the Realtor across the board. I'm on threads. Ooh. Yeah. All four million, all four million threads. 56 million users. Yeah, right yeah. <laughs> Fucking wild. That's awesome. Well, guys, thanks for I'm sticking with book. us. 
For a no, no, yellow that's pages, that's not a thing anymore. <laughs> I can't believe we made it to a year. This is this has awesome, been an awesome guys. experience. Wow, it's been Learned awesome. so much. Cheers. Cheers, JC. Thank you for bringing us together. Yes, yeah. Cheers, you guys. Have a great weekend. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and for the weekly video version, subscribe to our YouTube channel at Living in Colorado, The Mile High Perspective.